Amen, amen. So I, don't, I brought my tissue boxes up here tonight, and I don't think that this is going to be a sad message. But man, I, was, I don't know what happened. The Lord, we were in worship, and the Lord just began to break my heart about this stuff. And honestly, like, I, I don't know. I, I used to, not that I didn't care about this, because I, I've always cared about it. But like, I've, I've just really, really felt the Lord's heart breaking for his people that are living in bondage, living with addiction, living with hurt, living, living with all of these things that are, you're struggling with, that are tormenting you. And, and my heart is broken for that tonight. And what I, what I really believe the Lord is doing and wants to do, and we'll, we'll get into it, but I really believe he wants to bring his people into the promised land. Into the promised land. And we're going to talk about what this looks like here in a second. But here's the idea for tonight's message. And so we're going to get through this. But the idea is this, that there is a place of victory and freedom for you here on earth. I want you to remember this. If you have to take a picture of it, if you've got to write it down, I want you to do that. I want you to know and understand that there is a place of victory and freedom for you, not waiting for you in heaven. It's not just waiting for you to die. There is freedom from that addiction here on earth waiting for you. There's a place of freedom. There's a place of mature Christianity, of growth in the Lord. And I'm not saying this. I'm not saying that you're going to be a perfect Christian. I'm not saying that you're never going to mess up. You're never going to make a mistake. But what I am saying is that there is a place where you can take a deep breath and say, man, I'm not tormented by these things anymore. I'm not under the devil's thumb. I'm not addicted to that thing. I'm not depressed. I'm not anxious. I'm not sick. I'm not broken anymore. There is a place of freedom and rest for the believer here on earth. And my heart tonight is that every person in this room listening to this message, watching online, would find this place with the Lord. Because if we can be honest tonight, right? And I want you to be honest with me. Sometimes, doesn't it feel like your faith is broken? Doesn't it feel like this thing just doesn't work for you? It's like, Jesus, I might need to take this back because in your word, this says that, you know, there's gonna be freedom in you and there's, there's joy and peace and hope in you, but I'm not experiencing that. I'm quite addicted, Jesus. Your word says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I go to church every day, but I'm still bound up in this. Has anybody been there before? And doesn't it feel like, man, this just doesn't work for me? And tonight, this is what my heart's desire is, is that we can really understand. And, and I'm not going to have all the answers for us tonight. But what I do want to do is start us on the journey of not settling for a broken Christianity. Because a lot of people get stuck in that place. A lot of people settle and say, well, I'm, I'm still going to go to church, but I'm just going to accept the fact that this is just my life. I'm going to struggle with this. Or I'm just always going to be an angry person. Or I'm always going to be depressed. Or I'm always going to have this addiction. And it's like, no, don't settle. Like the Bible's not exaggerating when he says that you can be free. When Jesus invites us to come into this rest, he says, come all who are weary, I will give you rest. That invitation is true. It's real. And it's a place that we can be and find ourselves and not just visit every once in a while, but it's a place that we can live in here on earth. How many want to live in that place? Come on. Is that you? Do you want to live in this place where it's, where, where it's not, life's not perfect, but man, we, we're free. That's what I believe the Lord has for us. And so <clears throat> I want to share this story 
I heard, um, reading this book, and it's kind of messing me up. I think that's why I'm getting a little emotional, but it's called The Crucified Life. Anybody heard of The Crucified Life, A.W. Tozer? So if you haven't heard it, read it. It's amazing. It's, oh my goodness, it's not fair. A.W. Tozer is incredible, and I just, I'm reading in the car. I'm like, Jesus. I'm like listening to it as I drive. I'm like, Jesus. It's just messing me up the whole way. But anyway, so he uses this analogy, and I, and I feel like the Lord, you know, really spoke to my heart during this, this, this section. But essentially what we have is we have the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. Remember this story? The 10 plagues, all, all that stuff, right? Moses brings them out of Egypt. So they're walking around the wilderness for a little bit. The Lord's leading them, a, a pillar of a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, right? And then, and then they get to the promised land and something happens. You know, God tells Moses to send uh, send some spies out to spy out the land, look at all the amazing things, and the spies come back and they say, listen, it's, we can't do it. <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit. But what happens is this, is that because of, because of their inability to trust God, because of their lack of faith, because of their disobedience, they are unable to enter into the promised land. So God's judgment on their life is not that they would go back to Egypt, but that they would wander around this wilderness for 40 years and they wouldn't be able to enter into the promised land. And what you have to understand, many of us know this, but the context of, of Egypt and the promised land, we think, you know, they've been in the desert for 40 years. This, might, this must be thousands and thousands of miles away and it must be a really long journey. The truth is, it should only take you about 11 days to walk from one place to the other, right? It's not, it's not that far of a journey. So, so the, tr- like the reality is they're just walking in circles for 40 years. It's crazy, right? Oh my goodness. How, how many would want to be on a 40-year-long camping trip in the wilderness? I know Pastor Gail would love that. You would love that, wouldn't you? <laughs> she doesn't like the outside. <laughs> But this is, this is where they were at. And, and, and here's the truth for many Christians. Many Christians get freed from Egypt, right? The Lord comes to your life. He, he shows you himself. He reveals himself to you. He forgives you of your sins because Egypt represents the world and sin. And so God takes you out of Egypt and saves you. But then you just end up walking around the desert for 40 years. And you're in this like in-between place where you're not quite a sinner in Egypt anymore, but you can't find, you can't seem to find your way into the promised land. So you're just wandering around the desert. And so many Christians die in this place because they're unable to really figure out how to get the promised land. Get into this place where Jesus says you can have rest. And this is, this is incredible. This is one of the things A.W. Tozer says. He says, we walk in a circle, right? So there's some times where, as a Christian, you walk in a circle, and there's some moments where you're, you're closer to Egypt than you are the promised land. There's some times where you're closer to Egypt, and, and for many of us, we get, we, we get really close to the things of this world. We don't necessarily like to cross the line, but we get as close as we can. Because that feels good, Right? to do, kind of do what we used to do. You know, we're not fully participating, but like we're kind of doing the worldly stuff that we, we used to do. We get really close to Egypt and then we feel bad and we're like, man, I, I want to get, I don't want to do that stuff anymore. And then we get really close to the promised land. And then we do good for a couple weeks, right? And we're, we're, we're doing the right thing. We're, we're not messing up. We're, we're reading our word. We're kind of living this, this appearance of what, what could be the successful Christian life. 
And then the circle comes back around and we go back to Egypt. We get really close to Egypt. And then we go back again. And this, it's this circle of life that comes, keeps going around and around and around. And as a Christian, you feel like you're stuck in a washing machine. <laughs> you feel like you can't really break free. You feel like you can never really shake this thing. There's ups and downs. And, and there's, there's so much of this, this tormenting reality that you're, you're kind of free, but you're not really all the way free. Has anybody experienced that before? It's the worst. Like, even, even, the, even the children of Israel say this, I, let's just go back to Egypt. Let's just go back. And that's where a lot of Christians feel. They're like, I, I would rather just go be a part of the world. I hate that I'm in this area where I'm like doing okay, but then I keep falling back and I'm, I'm flip-flopping. I, I might as well just walk away from this. And so many people do. I had a friend literally tell me this, that Christianity doesn't work for me. I'm like, what do you mean it doesn't work for you? He says, I don't know. He says, I, I, don't, I believe God exists, and I believe that real Christians experience God, but I just don't think it works for me. And it's sad, but so many people feel the exact same way. And so tonight we're going to talk about what you and I need to do to get over the cycle of going back and forth, back and forth, and enter into the promised land. But before we do, I want to figure out exactly why the children of Israel were unable to get in to the promised land. So we're going to talk about why the children of Israel were unable to get into the promised land. It's in Numbers chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 31 through 33. This is after Moses sent the 12 spies into the land. Ten of them come back and say, nope, we can't do it. Joshua and Caleb come back and they're like, look guys, we can do this. The Lord's given us this land. And it says this in verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we, everyone say we, 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 are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they have spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land, this is incredible, is a, is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Verse 33, it says this, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from, the, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. And so this kind of, look at all this phrasing, right? This terminology. The, the children of Israel, these spies come back and basically say this, we're not good enough to get in. We're not good enough to get in. The idea of the type of language they use is confusing because God never asked them to be good enough to get in. God promised them in Exodus that he would drive them out before them. But this is what the children of Israel declared over themselves. They said, I'm not strong enough to get into the promised land. And they were so terrified by what they were unable to do that they allowed fear and doubt to creep in and and. And because of that, they doubted God's strength to be able to be strong enough to get them in. And here's why, let me show, this is why they couldn't get into the promised land. You can't enter the promised land in your own strength. It's impossible. It's impossible. You couldn't even get out of Egypt in your own strength. Right? Like, so this idea of the children of Israel saying, we're not strong enough to get in, doesn't make sense because they forgot that they weren't even strong enough to, to part the Red Sea. They weren't even strong enough to move Pharaoh's heart. They weren't even strong enough to get out of Egypt, but they did. Why? Not because they were strong enough, but because God 
delivered them. And in the same way God delivered you out of your sin and brought you into the kingdom, he is going to deliver you and give you freedom. This is something that for some reason we don't quite understand in the church because we, we realize that God has forgiven us of our sins. God has, has cleansed us. We get saved. He's, he's taking us to heaven one day. But then we think it's all up to us to fix ourselves. Then we say, think, oh, well, now I got to be really disciplined. Now I got to stop doing this. Now I got to stop doing that. And we try to receive this freedom or try to make this freedom happen for ourselves in our own strength. But you can't defeat those giants. They're too big for you. You will never be able to gain your own freedom. You can't do it. It won't work. That's why you can't get in. Because you keep trying to do it in your own strength. You keep trying to, to fight the battles in your own strength. You can't do it. So here's the question that we have to ask. How do I live my life in his strength? Has anybody heard kind of this phrase in church? You know, like, don't live life your, in your strength. Live it in his strength. Right? You've heard that before? It's kind of a, a popular saying. And, and, and this is the idea as Christians. We have to live not in our ability, not in our strength, but we have to live in his strength. And that sounds really good, and you might amen that, and that's like, yes, let's do it. But that's a really confusing sentence. <laughs> Has anybody ever wondered, how do I do that? How do I live in his strength? What does that even mean? It's confusing, right? It's weird. It's kind of a weird phrase. And so tonight, here's what, I, here's what I believe the Lord has placed on my heart. And, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm like very burdened by this. I really want the people in this room that are watching online, the people that call themselves Christians, I really want them to see the true power of the, of the word of God. How, how, how God can actually change you. Like he can actually change you. You can actually be freed from these things. So we're going to talk about three ways that you can actually live in his strength. These, these, this is how you live in his strength, okay? So here's the first one. You have to know the Lord. You have to know the Lord. Like know the Lord for real. This is what Numbers chapter 14 verse 11 said. This is, um, this is what the Lord is speaking to Moses. He's saying this. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? The Lord's responding to the children of Israel's unbelief about his ability to bring them into the land. He said, how long will the people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? The Lord's saying, these are the same people that walked through a sea. These are the same people that watched bread rain down from heaven every day except on Saturday. These are the people that saw water come gushing out of a rock. These are the people that witnessed all of these signs, all of these wonders, all of these miracles, but they still don't believe me. They still don't believe me. They, they continue to reject me even though they've seen all of this amazing stuff. And when I read that, here's what the Lord said to me is, he said that information alone is not enough for you to get into the promised land. There are a lot of Christians who know a lot of information about what God has done, about who he is, about the Bible, about their, 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 what their, their parents know about the Lord. They, there's a lot of Christians who have a lot of information, but just like the children of Israel, that information wasn't enough for them. You know, there's a story in the Bible where, where um, Aaron and Miriam, they, they start complaining about Moses and they're like, man, who's Moses? We hear from the Lord too. I can hear God's voice. We can do this thing. 
And the Bible says this, it's kind of scary. The Bible says, and the Lord heard them. <laughs> Oops, should have said that a little quieter because the Lord heard you, right? It says the Lord heard them. And then what the Lord does is he basically snatches them up. He says, hey, come here, let me talk to you. And, and this is what the Lord says. He, says. he says, some of you might have a prophetic gift. You might dream dreams and, and hear me speak in these like ambiguous ways, right? You might have this prophetic gift, but he says, don't get it twisted. I speak to Moses face to face. There's a difference between you and Moses because you don't know, Mos- you don't know me the way Moses knows me. You, you have information about me. You might hear my voice on a Sunday morning when you go to church or on a podcast or when you read a book, but man, I, I sit down and I speak to this man. And, and here's the difference between a lot of Christians is that we just fill our head and our life with a lot of knowledge about the Lord, but we don't really know him. We don't know him. We're not close to the Lord. And, and, and in order to enter into a place that is the promised land, head knowledge is not enough. You have to know the Lord. You have to intimately know who he is. How do you know the Lord? You you ask to know him. This isn't difficult, and this isn't like a high, lofty, weird, like unattainable thing. Like, how do I know the Lord? You just sit down and make room for him. Like, when you read the word, like, read the word and say, God, would you reveal yourself to me? I want to know you. Listen, this is, this is when you really think about this, this is mind-blowing, right? So people, like, it, uh, people on earth, we have, we have different intelligence levels. We know how to think through things and analyze things. But you being a Christian have an ability that non-Christians don't have. You have the ability to receive revelation. If you're not a a believer, you don't have this ability. You cannot receive revelation. That's why Paul says that that God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Why? Because the, the world can't understand the things of God. It's impossible for them. That's why before you knew the Lord, you would sit in church, you would come to things and it would just go right over your head. You wouldn't understand it until the Lord revealed himself to you. We think we find Jesus. We don't find Jesus, he finds us, right? That's how that goes. But you have the ability as a believer to download information from heaven and have the Lord reveal himself to you. Like this idea and concept of revelation is so underrated and we use it a lot and I think that we don't really understand what this means because to truly receive revelation is to know him not from a person or a book or a show, to know him from him. When, when Jesus asked the disciples, remember, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the son of God and, and Jesus doesn't say, hey, you listened to that one podcast, good job. Or you heard, you heard John talking about this. No, he said, this has been revealed to you by God. This is the power of revelation is that you can know him. You can intimately know him. And if you want revelation, all you have to do is ask for it. That, you have to ask for it. In Luke chapter 11, verse, verse 13, Jesus says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit. He is dying to reveal himself to you. He wants you to know him. And do you know how this really happens and this really works? We're just gonna get super practical here. You know, I've read my Bible for a long time and for many years I would read my Bible just gathering the information similar to what the Israelites had. They just had knowledge of God. 
which that's important. But I've, I've started in the last year, two years, you know, I've done it off and, off and on, but I've started when I sit down, I say, Lord, would you give me revelation as I read your word? Like, let me, let me know your word, not just know the information, but let your word come alive to me. And I read the Bible really slow. Seriously, read the Bible really slow. Some of y'all are speed readers. You read like four chapters in like five minutes and you don't remember a thing. Read the word slowly. Meditate on the word. Hide the word of God in your heart. Know the word. I mean, I love, I'm trying to catch up to Pastor Clarence, man. Pastor Clarence can quote the Bible. I got a little note on my phone with scripture verses that I'm like, I got to memorize these because Pastor Clarence is like, he's just got it, right? I, I love it. Like he knows the word. And in Psalms 119 verse 11 says, your word I've hidden in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word. I know you, God. I know who you are. I don't just know about you, but I've, I've, I've seen you. You know, we can talk about this forever because there's so many different areas in the Bible where we see men and women desire to know God and like magic, God makes it known. One of my favorite in Acts chapter 10 is, is Cornelius. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. This man who's not, not a Jew, is barely a Christian, barely knows God. All he has is a desire to know God. All that's driving him is this idea that he heard about God and he's trying to conduct his life in a way that honors this God that he doesn't even know. He's giving tithes, he's praying, he's doing all of these things because that's all he knows to do. And the Lord interrupts and rewrites everything, sends Peter to reveal who God is. And the Bible says that Cornelius is rewarded with the Holy Spirit. The first Gentile to receive the Holy Spirit is Cornelius and all of his household. Cornelius didn't do anything crazy. He had this genuine desire to say, God, I just, I just want to know you just want to know you. And my heart, and this is the beginning of, of, of what I believe Christians need to get to this place in order to enter the promised land, you have to have this genuine desire every day to know the Lord. And I'm afraid that our desire to, to live in our, our destiny, to live in our calling, to see miracles, to, to, to do a lot of different things in the kingdom, our desire for those things is greater than our desire to know the Lord. Because for a lot of us, we just want to be used by God. God, I want to be used by you. Like, when you think of what is the goal, what's the ultimate goal in life? Like, don't tell me it's to walk in your purpose, because it's not. It, don't tell me it's, it's to, to do something for the Lord, because it's not. That's not the goal. The goal in your life is to know the Lord. That is the, if you're going to do one thing as a Christian, know God. Know who he is, have an intimate relationship with him. Jesus says in John, 3, 7, in John, chapter, 3, verse, or John chapter 17, verse 3, that this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. This is eternal life. This is what Jesus said. This is what heaven is. This is the goal. This is it. This is eternal life, that, you, that they may know you. So as a Christian, that's the beginning. That's the beginning. That's our drive. Every single day, God, let me know you. Let me know you. Let me know you. And I promise you, he will reveal himself to you. Here's the second thing that you need to do in order to get into the promised land. You need to obey the Lord. You need to obey the Lord. So if we fast forward 40-something years, 
The children of Israel now are out of the wilderness. They're under the leadership of Joshua, and Joshua begins to usher them into the promised land. And so we see as they're walking into the promised land, Joshua, what did you do in order to not get rejected again, but to actually get in? And what we see, really the only thing we see, is that Joshua was obedient. He listened, he listened to the Lord. Joshua chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible says, God's talking to Joshua. He says, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe. That word observe is translated in other Bibles as this. Be careful to obey, <laughs> that you may be careful to obey all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right, to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. What do we see Joshua do? We see Joshua, we see an angel of the Lord, the commander of the army of the Lord, come down and give Joshua specific instructions. His first battle is with Jericho, and he says, Joshua, I want you to walk around these walls. I want you to do this. I want you to blow this trumpet. I want you to shout at this time in this specific way, align the people in this, in this fashion. And he was given a list of very specific rules to follow, and Joshua fulfilled all of them. He was obedient to the Lord, and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. He obeyed the voice of the Lord. Just one or two chapters after that, they move from Jericho, and they go, they're on their way to Ai. Ai is a much smaller city. It was nothing compared to Jer Jericho. Nothing. And so the children of Israel said, this is easy. We can do this. Let's just go up and knock them out real quick. They send just a few of their army to go and, and deal with Ai, and they were defeated before. The Bible says that they fled before the men of Ai. They were humiliated before the men of Ai. They were defeated. Why? They, they didn't even obey the Lord. They didn't even ask the Lord. They didn't even consult the Lord. Do you remember why they couldn't get into the beginning? Because they said, we can't, we're not strong enough to beat these people. Remember, 40 years ago, they said this, their parents, their, their parents said this, we can't do it. And they tried to do it without God. And they were proven wrong. They can't do it. And here's, here's the reality that many of us have to understand is that obedience will not only get you into the promised land, but it'll keep you in the promised land. Obedience will sustain you forever. Obedience to the Lord will secure you as a Christian into this place where you are, you are thriving. <laughs> That's what the Bible says, that you may prosper wherever you go. The Lord is really good at preventing you from doing things that you shouldn't do. And oftentimes what happens is the Holy Spirit will direct you miles before you fall, way before you sin, way before you mess up. He, he'll be directing you. But the problem is we don't listen to the, the seemingly insignificant voice of the Lord. Here's an example. This is what I used to struggle with all the time. I used to be addicted to pornography. I couldn't shake it. It was just crushing my life. And oftentimes I would hear the Holy Spirit say this, Dominic, just go to bed. Why are you up at two in the morning? Go to sleep. But I would dismiss that because I would say, ah, why do I have to, like, why do I have to sleep? That's not important. Why do I have to listen to the Lord when he's telling me to go to sleep? That's silly. And then he would give me instruction. Hey, don't, don't look at that. Don't go, don't go on your phone. Don't do this. Oh, that's silly. I, I'm not going to do that. There's no sin by staying up late. There's no sin in just picking up my iPhone. 
And then I would disregard the voice of the Lord as he's directing me. While I'm still miles away from sin, I would disregard the voice of the Lord. And then I would get to the point of sin and be like, God, help me. He's like, bro, you didn't listen to me like 45 minutes ago. So you're not even supposed to be awake right now. Go to bed. But, but we, we can't obey the voice of the Lord because, because we don't think it's important. We don't think it's valuable. We, don't really, we really don't think it's, it's necessary. But the idea is this, is that if Joshua were, were to not listen to one of those things that the Lord told him to do when, it, when, when he was dealing with Jericho, man, who knows what would have happened? I guarantee you this, they wouldn't have had victory. And so th- this is what we have to understand. The Lord is out to make you prosper. The voice of the Lord is there to direct your life, to guide your life. He wants the best for you. He wants you in the promised land. And so you have to get very good at listening to the voice of the Lord and obeying. Obeying what God is telling you to do. Man, oftentimes the Holy Spirit comes and he knows that the devil is gonna tempt you with something far beyond you even realize it, far before, before you even see it's coming, but, but you don't, you don't see anything coming, so you don't feel like you need to listen. And that's the problem. That's such an issue for so many Christians. If you were to just listen, like what do we tell our kids all the time? Listen, like just the other day, Judas stands on these chairs all the time, like our dining room chairs, and they're slippery and they slide all over the place. He's always standing. The other day he fell and he starts crying. And parents, we know this phrase, right? It's three words. I told you so. I told you, four words. Can't count that well. I told you so, right? Well, cause, why? Because we tell our kids to listen, not because we have an ego trip, not because, not because we, we think we're the best people on the planet and we, we're the know-it-alls. No, it's because we know what's best for them. We know that they're gonna get hurt if they do not listen to us. And then they get hurt and we're like, quit crying. You don't, you, you don't have the right to cry. <laughs> you get no sympathy from me, Right? We understand that when it comes to our children, but we have a hard time connecting it with the Lord. Like we, how many of us pray these prayers to ask God to get us out of these situations that we got ourselves into because we didn't listen? <laughs> and here's the mercy of the Lord. He'll get you out of them. That's the mercy of the Lord. Like he'll, he'll get you out of those situations and he'll give you another chance. He'll give you another chance and another chance and another chance. But until you start listening, you're going to keep walking in circles in that wilderness. And you're just going to keep going and going and going until ultimately you're buried, you're in heaven, but you never made it to the promised land. You struggled your whole life walking around this mountain all because you wouldn't listen to the Lord. Obey the Lord. Obey the Lord. Like make, make the obedience to the Lord be your number one goal in life. Like David says this, I believe it's in Psalms chapter 40, verse 8. Can you put that up, actually? Because I don't want to misquote it, Matt. Psalm, can you go to Psalms 40? Can you go to Psalms 40, verse 8? I just read it this morning. I don't have it hidden in my heart yet, so let's see what this says. It's really good, though. It says, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. I, I, love, I, love, how, I love how David put that. I delight to do your will. I find joy and pleasure in obedience. Man, I pray that over my kids every single day. I'm just kidding, right? But, but as, as Christians, right, this is, this is where we're at. We have to get to a place where we find so much pleasure when the Father speaks to us. 
When the Father speaks to us and says, hey, I want you to kind of distance yourself over here. I want you to put this down. I want you to stop thinking about this, or I want you to do that. It's like, oh, man, God, I'm so happy that you're speaking to me because I love to be obedient to you. I love to do your will. I promise you, church, if you can get to a point where you are obedient in everything that the Lord says, I guarantee you this, that you'll be avoiding temptation, you'll be avoiding difficulty, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll not even be aware that these things are in your life because God swerved you around far before you even encountered it. This is what the Lord does. He gives you freedom, not just in the moment, but like hours, months, years, days before the moment ever happened. And here's the last thing. This is what the last thing that we need to we need to know in order to live in the promised land. You have to be patient. You have to be patient. In Exodus chapter 23, verses 29 through 30, the Lord's speaking to the children of Israel and, and, and prophetically talking about what and how he's going to function when they do get into the promised land. And he says this, I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little. Let's say that together. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. We put such an emphasis on behavior modification in the church that it's hard because we don't give people time to change. We put such a demand on people to come to Jesus, get baptized, and when you come out of that water, man, you better be clean, clean. And I'm not just talking about your body. You got to stop doing this. You got to stop doing that. You got to stop doing this, right? And, and what we do, what we, we do on the church, we, you know, we do this. I'm guilty of this, right? We, we put a tr- an tremendous amount of pressure on people to clean themselves up when they start coming to church. But that's not what the Lord does. The Lord said that when you get into the promised land, you're going to get into it, but you're not going to have it all. Little by little, what will happen is you'll grow into the Lord. Reminds me of what 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, but we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord as in a mirror are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's this idea that every single day when we see him, we know him, we experience him, we encounter him, we're transformed just a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And little by little, our lives are transformed. And, and what I don't want to happen and what I've seen a lot is I've seen Christians who, who have been not Christians, we'll just say not Christians for 30 years, 25 years. They've developed 25 years worth of terrible habits mistakes, all sorts of craziness, and then they get saved, and a year later, two years later, they're like, why am I still struggling with this? It's like, dude, you are a baby, baby Christian. Relax. You're two years old. You're, you're a little infant, right? The, this idea that we expect to come to the Lord in our lives to just be like perfect, and, and hear me, I'm not trying to take away anything from the Lord. I'm not trying to say that he won't miraculously like remove things because he will, And I've seen him do it, but that's not the norm. The norm is this, that we walk out our salvation with fear and trembling and we, little by little, we grow. Little by little, we see the Lord working in our life, removing these things, adding these things, growing into who he's called you to be. And so 
take a deep breath. Be patient. You might be struggling now, but you've only loved the Lord for a few months. Settle down. Relax. Now listen, this isn't a free passage of sin, but this is the idea here that you've been, you've taken decades, decades to develop terrible habits. They're not going to fall in a, a week. You're going to struggle with things, these things for a while. And, but what you have to understand is that you can't get, and I say this because I, you can't get discouraged. See, too many people get discouraged. Like we said at the beginning, we want to just throw our faith away and turn it back in and say, ah, this doesn't work for me. You got to give it some time to work. Here's the, here's the idea. God's goal for your life is not that you would be perfect. Remember, it's that you would know him. And so we try to rush to be perfect, but, but God's, God's design is that he would work on you throughout your entire life. If you were perfect tomorrow, you're going to be bored for the next 30 years. You have nothing to do. You're just going to be sitting around, not doing anything. Like, but, but that's not the goal. God's going to transform you every single day. He's going to grow you. He's going to do these things. But little by little, enjoy the Lord. Be obedient to the Lord. Celebrate the victories. Man, I, I can't wait for Sunday. We're gonna, I'm going to preach a message on, on how to steward your, your, your sanctification. I'm so excited for it. But here's the idea, right? The idea is this, is that you have to celebrate those small victories. Like when you produce fruit on a Tuesday and you're like, man, I, I was tempted with this and I overcame it. You got to celebrate that because that's growth in the Lord. That is fruit of your sanctification. And, and little by little, that fruit grows and it grows and it grows until you mature. So yeah, you're not perfect. Yeah, you still struggle with this. But just because you struggled with that doesn't mean you're not in the promised land. It just means there's some more enemies in there that you're going to kick out in a little bit. It just means that little by little, God's going to grow you and remove those things. But what you can't do is you can't try to run back to Egypt just because things aren't working out. It's not, it's not how things go. You know, there's a there's a, a goal, an unspoken goal in the gym world. You know, just started working out recently, and there's this unspoken goal of if you can bench 225 pounds or not. Can anybody bench 225 pounds? Wave at me. <laughs> On a good day, you can. You can. I've seen you do it before. A couple people, right? So, so they say this. If you can bench 225 pounds, you're officially a gym bro. You're officially a gym bro. So my goal for the last two years of my life is to be a, able to call myself a gym bro, right? I'm just kidding. That's not my goal. But, but I, I did want to be able to bench 225 pounds. But here's, here's the thing about being able to bench or really do any type of exercise is that it's always incremental and progressive. A lot of times we see this, right? We see, we see a person go into the gym and we see them fail 225 pounds. We see them fail, we see them fail, we see them fail, we see them fail. And then on some random Wednesday afternoon, they get it. Then they do it. And we see this like, no, 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 yes. And, and we see that in Christians' lives too. It's like we see people that before they met the Lord, they were just filled with sin. They just, you know, they were all messed up. And then we see people like Elder Alice, who's just perfect, you know, and has no sin. And we, <laughs> I always like to pick on you, right? But we do, we see, we see these, these, these men and women of faith who are just so incredible, right? Who live these lives of just, of genuine desire and love for the Lord. And we just see this like, oh, she was this and then now she's this. But we don't see all of the things in between. 
We don't see the growth. We don't see the years, the decades of God working and, 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 and moving and taking and adding. And, and just like we don't see this in the gym, we, we might fail 225 and we might, it might fall down on our chest and we might get squashed. But man, there's little, there's little muscles that are being built there, right? Your sh- shoulders are getting stronger. Your chest is getting stronger. And you might have failed that lift, but you grew. You might have failed, but you grew. You got stronger. You might have failed, but you grew and you grew and you grew until one day that, that failure turns into, hey, I got it. I did it. What was that? That wasn't just a random, like, it just happened. That was this progressive over time, little by little, God working in your life, you being obedient to him. And even in your obedience, you're messing up. But he's like, man, you grew, you grew, you grew, you grew. And you have to be focused on that little by little. You have to be focused on it. You have to allow the Lord to grow you. Be patient. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but don't lose heart. Be encouraged. It's going to happen. Sooner or later, you are going to dwell in the promised land with no enemies around you. Why? Because you were obedient to the Lord, and you were patient, and you knew him. And as you grow little by little as a Christian, you'll find yourself in this, in this place of your faith with the Lord, like I said, you're not, where you're not perfect. It's not that you're not making any mistakes. It's not that, that you're just all of a sudden this perfect Christian, but you're in this place of rest with the Lord. You're in this place of peace with the Lord. You know, you know the Bible says about Solomon that he had peace all around him. Why? Because David worked really hard to give Solomon peace. David worked really hard to kill all of those enemies and now Solomon was able to enjoy this place of peace. And I believe this, church. I believe that as Christians, that we have not, not only the ability, but, but this, is the, this is our salvation. This is what this is, is that we would get to a place of peace in our lifetime where we can sit back and not say that we're perfect, but we can say, man, I used to struggle with this and I don't struggle with this anymore. We can say, man, I used to be a really depressed person, but I don't have depression anymore. We could say, man, I used to be addicted to that, but I'm not addicted to this stuff anymore. I, I used to struggle being angry and rude and bitter and, and all of this stuff, but I'm, I'm not that anymore. And, and it's not that God just changed my behavior, but he changed me. He changed who I was. Not only was I saved and, and, and I'm going to heaven one day, but I found peace here on earth. I found rest here. Like the enemy doesn't have a, a, a hold on me anymore. And this is what I want for you. This is what I want for me. This is what I want for, for our church and believers all across this world is that we can get to a place where we're not walking in circles. We're not just going back and forth from Egypt and, and the promised land and going back and forth and back and forth, but we can say, man, I found it. I found my peace and rest in the Lord. So stand with me tonight as we close. I want to pray for us as we as we close today, but the idea is this, is that there's a place of victory and freedom for you here on earth. There's a place of victory and freedom for you here on this earth. There's a place of victory and freedom for you. For all of us, there's a place where you're not struggling. You're not addicted. The gospel works. The power of God is real. And just because you, you're dealing with this thing now does not, hear me, it does not mean that you're dealing with this forever. Doesn't mean that. 
It means that little by little you're growing. So Holy Spirit, we just ask right now that you would come into this room and I just lift up those in this, in this place that are feeling like they're in the wilderness. That they're walking in circles that they keep, keep stumbling, keep falling, God. That they keep trying to get into the promised land by themselves and they failed. They've tried it in their own strength, God, but tonight we're done trying it in our own strength. We need your strength, Jesus. We need your help. We need your wisdom and guidance. And just as you guided Joshua and so many others in the Bible, would you guide us? Would you speak to us, Lord? And we will obey your voice. We will listen to you when you speak. Would you give us direction? God, would you let us know you tonight? We, I ask right now, God, that there would be such a significant spirit of revelation that would fall upon those in this room. God, I pray that they wouldn't even be able to open their Bible without just revelation pouring down from heaven. God, would you reveal yourself and make yourself known? We're asking, we're seeking you tonight. God, we're, our desire is that we would know you, and so I pray that you would make yourself known to us. Holy Spirit, give us patience this evening. Let us celebrate those little things, those small victories of, of bearing fruit until you drive out the enemy and we have the fullness of our inheritance, Lord. You know, there's a story on the back half of Numbers chapter 14 where, I think it's 15, 14 or 15, where God tells the children of Israel and says, you know what, because of your lack of belief, your disobedience, you're going to spend 40 years in the wilderness. And he pronounces their judgment. And then the Bible tells us that some of them got together and they said, you know what? No, Lord, we're going to listen. We're going to go do it. We're going to go fight the enemy. And Moses says, don't waste your time. He says, don't waste your time. You're not going to be able to win. Sure enough, they go fight and they get blown out. Why? Because they can't get in their own strength can't do it by themselves. They were never strong enough. They weren't strong enough to win in Jericho. They weren't strong enough to win anywhere. Couldn't even get out of Egypt by themselves. This is us. This is who we are. We're not strong enough to deal with our sin. That's why Jesus died on the cross. If you were strong enough to get over the addiction that you have now, Jesus wouldn't have come down. You would have just been good. But he died because he knew that we weren't strong enough. And so our life now is lived not in our own strength that we already know doesn't work. Our life now is to find a way to live in his strength. It's to know the Lord. Like Moses, know him, speak to him face to face. To obey, listen to his voice, please. If you, let me just say this. If you're here tonight and you're like, I want to obey the Lord, but I don't hear him, start by obeying the word of God, the Bible. If you struggle hearing the voice of God, start being obedient to the things that you read. And I guarantee the voice of the Lord will erupt in your life. Read something and just say, okay, God, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna be obedient. And then be patient as well. So let me bless you before you leave. Jesus, we thank you so much for these individuals. We pray a blessing over them and we thank you, Father God, that you've called us to live in the promised land. 
There's peace and rest on earth for here for us. And we ask that we could find it. In your name I pray. Amen. We're going to have some leaders and pastors up here. If you're here and you don't know the Lord, you want to get to know him, you want to give your life to him, come and pray with one of these, these pastors. They're incredible people. And, and man, I, I'm telling you what, there's no hope. Not even, forget the promised land. You're not even getting out of Egypt without Jesus. So you got to find Jesus. And then finally, if you're here today and you're, you're, you're kind of struggling, maybe you're going through a difficulty, one of the things that we've talked about here tonight you know my rule. You can go through things, but you can't do it alone. You can't do it by yourself. So if you're struggling, find somebody. Let them pray with you. Let them love on you, encourage you, and all of that fun stuff. But hey, live right, love everyone, pray hard. I love you all. And I'll see you guys on Sunday.